0: 5 of The Empire in Exile. We're switching up uh, hosting duties for uh, episode number 5. I am Josh Hauslander. My co-host tonight is Dorf. We have a little bit of a different kind of uh, show for you tonight. A little more philosophical than we've done in the past. A little deeper than we've done in the past. Tonight's topic is Simulation Theory. Now, this is something that um, I've covered on at least two other podcasts I can think of back when um, Dorf and I were both with uh, The Empire Media. And um, we really wanted to bring this to the forefront tonight on this show and um, mix it up a little bit, see what we had. So how are you doing, Dorf?
1: Uh, not too bad, um, other than uh, we will say this is take two. Uh, and <laughs> had some it tef- technical difficulties that in, you know, we, we did about 15 minutes, you know, 12, 15 minutes here to begin, you know, so if we, if we sound like, Oh yeah, we've already talked about this. It's cause we have, it, it, <laughs> it was so many technical issues. You said, screw it and scrapped it. So, <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, Take two. all you people, have, all you people out there listening should know that we just did 15 minutes of epically amazing podcasting
1: radio gold the, the, that will be lost yeah. to ever, forever to history. <laughs> Although the raw files are still on my computer. I think I'm going yeah. to angrily throw them in the digital trash before this is all over.
0: <laughs> so we, yeah, we, we did this. It was, it was, it was amazing, but we're going to do our very best to, to replicate that for you. And, um, come right back at you with, uh, some more simulation theory gold. Or um, your listening ears So uh, So Dorf, I'll jump right into it um, When it comes to simulation theory We're going to do Kind of some basic stuff here tonight Just break it down A lot of people have heard of simulation theory yeah, Most likely in um, passing
1: Especially if, you're, uh, if you pay attention to Elon Musk at all Because on, when his appearance on Joe Rogan They discussed that In a little bit of detail
0: they did, yeah, they did for sure. Um, and yeah, and Elon Musk is somebody who is um, totally on board with the simulation theory idea, which, as am I. Spoiler alert. Um, but some of the people who are, who I really want to cover tonight, even if it's just brief, are Nick Bostrom and Mark Solomon. Now, Nick Bostrom, professor, you know, PhD, genius, scientist, and philosopher from Oxford University in England, he is what I would like to consider the modern-day godfather of simulation theory. Much of what we believe, much of what has sparked our imaginations much of what has um, really got us thinking on this is the rock solid logic and reason that Nick Bostrom has turned out there. Mark Solomon is somebody who I would like to recommend to people if they're if they're looking into you know if, if they want more information on this stuff. A lot more real, in-depth information on this. Mark Solomon is the author of the short book, but you know, short but very, uh, you know, j- jam-packed with information. The short book, just basically called "On Computer-Simulated Universes" by Mark Solomon. It's almost just more like a. It's really just a, a dissertation, if you will. I, I don't, you know, it's it, it's. Available for purchase in book form, but it's a it's an excellent dissertation on this. And he basically just reiterates Bostrom's ideas, but he does it in a good way that um, I think is a great way to start if you really want to go head on into simulation theory. Now, Nick Bostrom's ideas are pretty basic to begin with. He basically just tries to throw out some – throw out a a catch-22, if you will, about how we really need to consider that simulation theory is a distinct possibility or that the idea that we are living in a computer simulation is a distinct possibility. And I'll throw that out. I'll rattle it out real quick here. Because Nick Bostrom would tell you that one of three things, in his opinion, must be possible. Number one is that we and all other civilizations like us will inevitably die out or destroy ourselves. Destroy ourselves or be destroyed by someone else or die out naturally. Before we create an ancestor simulation, I prefer the idea of a computer simulation. Nick Bostrom really likes this idea of an ancestor simulation. That's he really likes that
1: term. I mean, eventually, if you have the if you have the ability to do one, you have the ability to do the other. Exactly,
0: exactly. Which is why I actually it's like to say unnec- computer it's simulation. An,
1: it's an unnecessarily uh, unnecessary splitting of hairs. <laughs>
0: Agreed. Agreed completely. Which is why I kind of like to say computer simulation because I feel like ancestor simulation leads to an assumption that isn't that doesn't necessarily have to be assumed, but um, but but kind of is, in my opinion. But uh, but I totally agree with you, Dorf. It's it's a uh, it's an unnecessary splitting of hairs, and the the terms might as well be or could very well be interchangeable. The second thing that Nick Bostrom says could possibly happen is that we, or other civilizations like us, will decide to not process an ancestor simulation, that for moral reasons, ethical reasons, whatever reasons would be presented before us, legal reasons, you know, a a government tells you not to whatever it is, that we will decide that it is for the best to not process this type of simulation. That we will get the ability to do so, but choose not to. The third one says that because we know we will be able to have this technology eventually, that we are most likely... It's
1: probably in like the next five years.
0: Yeah, maybe like tomorrow. <laughs> at this I mean, point,
1: it's it's at, it's at right point, there. It's not a matter of if; it's a matter of money.
0: Yeah, right. No, you're right. It's a matter of it's a matter of funds. It's a matter of um, of trying. It's it's a matter of it's a matter of time. Um, it's definitely a matter of money, like you said, and just computing power that we already have the capability of of doing, but it's just whether or not you can. You know, it's. It's it's like the idea of saying that, um, and I'm making up numbers here that no car's ever had more than two thousand horsepower, but we need a car that has twenty two hundred horsepower. It's not like you; it can't be done.
1: It's just a matter of yeah. at that at this point, it hasn't been practically yet to do it. Right, right, and I mean, you know, it, it, you know what? At the first tanks, you know, the first tanks in World War One rolled off the line for Britain had 4 horsepower. 4. You know, realistically, you can you can get around and do pretty much everything you want to do carrying a couple people with about 90. Yeah. Anything over that is unnecessary vanity from a utilitarian perspective. You know, but at the same time, if this is if we have a new goal here of we want to be able to simulate the entire world with you know, infinitely complex levels of detail, uh, why not go for 2,200 in this example?
0: Exactly. No, exactly. So Nick Bostrom's third example, third idea, is that because of that, we are most likely living in a simulation. That we... Because... Well, let's say because, because it's possible any any civilization that can make one one simulation won't make one. They'll make dozens, they'll make hundreds, they'll make thousands. So if there are a thousand simulations for every one real universe, then... Naturally, mathematically speaking, we are more likely to be in a simulation than not in a simulation. Pretty basic idea, really. Um, You know, and like I said, you know, I, I like to consider Nick Bostrom to be the modern day godfather of this idea, but this isn't a new idea. Yeah, you know, we like to link it with computers now because it makes so much sense to do so. Because we see what we've done with computers and what we can do with computers. It makes so much sense to link it to a simulation through a computer. But this dates back to Plato's well, it's, allegory it's, it of dates, the cave.
1: It it does. But at the same time, if you if you really get down to the, the base levels of what computing is, it's just answering a bunch of yes and no questions in rapid succession that build off each other. You know, right. Like binary computing. and to, You know, that is our current way of doing it until you get into quantum computing, which then it... Can, ones and zeros. Well, it's, it's not ones and zeros anymore. It can be simultaneously. It's not one or zero. It can be one and zero. <laughs> until you get Whoa. into quantum computing, which I am not educated enough on the subject to speak bright, brightly on, but... Well, you know, in Dorf, I'm not. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. So, how you, for the perfect example of the way like databases are queried now is you ask a database a question, you know, essentially saying, find me instances that match this. And it goes and checks one by one and spits back out inputs. Now, the level of computing power we have now, even in binary computing, that's relatively quick for you know functional data sets but can still take a while if stuff isn't properly indexed in binary computing you you can tell it uh, this is my understanding I, I hope I'm not wrong on this you can essentially query whether or not something is in a certain state and it doesn't have to check line by line it just knows where it, it just is and knows where it is and that that's how much faster Higher level processes get sped up. I, I guarantee I'm oversimplifying and or butchering that. Um, so, I, I, but, you know, anyway. For all continue. intents and
0: purposes, you're, no, for all intents and purposes, you're making sense, Dorf. And, you know, I don't want to get too deep into this, but there is, it is definitely worth mentioning, there is a quantum simulation theory and Dorf, I don't know if you're familiar at all with, with quantum simulation theory. This, is, this but will qua- be new to me. But quantum simulation theory is... This sounds so difficult, but it's not. This is actually an extremely basic idea. If simulation theory says, well, a, a civilization possible, you know, that has the possibility to make a simulation could make upwards of a thousand simulations. So then naturally were a thousand times more likely to be in a simulation than be in an actual reality. Now when you take into account that the reality that simulated you may not be real either. That that said reality is a simulated reality and they then, they're one of a thousand realities that simulated oh, no. a thousand realities.
1: We've crossed into a multiverse and it's just an it's a endless loop of right simulations.
0: So now we're talking thousands, but if you bring in the idea of quantum computers, then now that that plane of existence that's creating you isn't creating a thousand simulations. They're creating a billion simulations.
1: Or infinite simulations.
0: Right. So, by Nick Bostrom's very own logic, we are far more likely to be one from a quantum simulation than we are from a regular simulation. You know that. You know. I mean, if if that if a thousand real real worlds created a thousand simulations, but one. Or you know, but a, but a thousand of those created a million simulations or a billion simulations through quantum mechanics, quantum computing power, quantum computers. Then we are far more likely to be a simulation in the quantum realm than in the regular realm.
1: So I mean, that's just that doesn't mean at it's this absolutely point it's kind true. of true. That doesn't mean here. Here's the thing: I don't want mistaken. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's absolutely true. It just means no. it's a higher probability than not that it is.
0: Right, and you know, this the, is this
1: is one of those things that I want to make abundantly clear for anybody who, you know, I I'll even admit myself as a a non practicing uh, Christian. I still believe in a, a creation myth. I just think that our record keeping as a as a religion blows. So that uh, you know. Th- something like that you know i i still haven't seen anything that uh outside of you know there was a big bang and then just stuff was i I haven't seen anything more compelling and i doubt that i would be able to be compelled out of that position that at some point there was a creation event and a creator but different show different time anyway um
0: dorf i think that's actually an excellent segue and yeah, I mean, to, to end the idea of the quantum simulation theory, the quantum simulation theory, in essence, just says if you believe in simulation theory, you kind of, sort of, have to believe in quantum simulation theory. It doesn't change much. It actually changes very little as to what you believe or or what it is. If if we're in someone else's simulation, we're in someone else's simulation. It doesn't really matter if they're um, well. I mean, even in
1: line with the, a, a creation a creation story and a I think the more the philosophical term is a creation myth, is, well, I mean, oh, cool. You know, our our simulation that we currently live in is run by our creator, which we refer to as God.
0: <laughs> sure. No, um, actually, Dorf, um, as a, uh, I mean, you're you're talking with someone who is a a absolute believer in simulation theory and who is a devout Catholic. And I I see no contradiction between those views in any way. No, they they I,
1: I they, truly they do can not coexist. That's absolutely true. They can coexist.
0: I actually believe that um, that simulation theory ties in with ancient beliefs and biblical beliefs, or uh, I shouldn't even say biblical because that that means just Christian, but um, religious beliefs, spiritual beliefs, than the vast majority of other scientific views. I I think it plays in very well, and I think it actually um, ties in with a lot of other theories, that exist out there, uh, Fermi's paradox is one.
1: That's a good yeah. I was I wanted to want to bring that up too. I, just, I, I know
0: I know you're a fan of Fermi's paradox. Don't well, it's
1: f- not that it, it's a fan. It, this, the fandom I don't know is that you know it's it's just one of those the distinctions that it it explains. You know, yes, it is just a theory, and unfortunately, we lack the means to test it. Um, because ultimately, you you know. It, answer, it it's an attempt to answer the Drake equation um, And if Drake is correct, we aren't alone, but we'll never find out that we aren't alone. <laughs> um, when you t- especially when you tie that in with the, the Fermi paradox it's, it's just it, well Drake life... would
0: Drake would tell us that we are definitely not alone.
1: Drake says yeah, we're yeah. definitely not alone. The, the Fermi paradox is more that, yes, we aren't alone, but we'll never know that we, you know, we'll never know for sure, definitively for sure. The, the no. speed limit of data and our ability to discover things, whether by traveling ourselves, our lifetimes are not long enough, nor can we survive the conditions of interstellar space to make that journey in, in even multiple lifetimes. Um, Dorf, if, if I may. About two places. I mean, the technology exists that, you know, essentially, I forget what it's called. It was an idea dreamt up in like the 60s that you essentially take a spaceship and drop nukes out the back and ride the shockwave. You could get up to point <laughs> two times, you know, 0.2 times the speed of sound. Or speed of sound, speed of light. You know, 20% of the speed of light. And you could get to our closest neighbor within our own uh, galaxy, that being the Alpha Centauri system, in a human lifetime. It's it's a conceivable mission. The only problem is you're riding the shockwave of multiple nuclear explosions, and then you still have to slow down, um, which, you know, at traveling at that speed, uh, there's not going to be a... Anything large enough that you could get caught in the gravitational well of to spin it down, so you would be long for the ride. You'd see like Alpha Centauri and wave it and way past, and that's about all you could, you know, Alpha Centauri. I
0: feel like that's just.
1: I feel like all
0: that. I feel like all that is. Those are, those are very cool, ideas. But those are just ideas based on we don't know how to do that yet. This is kind of like the idea of. Um, I remember, you know, years ago when I was a teenager, I'm riding a car with someone, and he bumped up his grouty Chevy Cavalier, Chevy Cavalier to um, about 109 miles an hour, which is about what it, what it could go. And we're pushing it, and the RPMs are racing. And he said, "Oh, this is what it's. This is as fast as it can go." And I had a little super ball, a little bouncy ball in my pocket, and I threw it at the windshield. I said, "Well, then, how fast was that ball going?" And from that, you come up with the idea that there is never really a top speed. <laughs> There's a top speed with a certain idea,
1: and well, then and then you
0: you bounce off the top speed from
1: there. the The only problem is with your your idea there, Josh, is there's limits to that. The is there our a understanding of physics and what we know about physics is the speed of light is the the speed limit. As matter approaches.
0: So if I'm going the speed of light in a Cavalier and I throw a Super Bowl, how far far is that, how fast is that ball going? The problem is
1: you can't go to the speed of light (laughs) in a Cavalier. Um, So the the (laughs) mass, anything with mass as it approaches, and the reason light isn't subject to this is because photons don't have mass. Anything with mass as it approaches the speed of light cannot, the energy required to maintain atomic bonds is so it approaches infinity it, it becomes so great atomic bonds cannot be held together at the speed of light so getting to and that's why it's not just like well you know acceleration the energy required to accelerate anything isn't linear it, you know it's an exponential equation but the that exponent becomes so damn steep the faster you go even in the vacuum of space that the amount of energy required to accelerate something in, in that manner of any mass, even if it's just your your, your super ball there, is so great that we'll never, you know, with current technology available, it's just not possible. You know, even if we could accelerate something that fast, we couldn't get it to stay together.
0: So, so the idea that something cannot go faster than 186,000 miles per second or, or the speed of light the idea that nothing can move faster than that
1: not not, not our, the, our current understanding of physics no yeah i just Without isn't getting that into almost wormholes and and you know manipulation of of time by gravity and just a is, basic principle isn't yes that, that's a, that that is the interstellar speed limit
0: isn't that almost like the essence of simulation theory
1: it would be a the constraint. the I, yeah. That, it, that there is this. A, it would be that, a constraint. There is
0: this rock solid number that just that that because that's as fast as you go. Because that's as fast as you can go. I mean, is that? I mean, to me, I I see something like that. I hear something like that, and I think, what's the difference between that and having the top score on Super Mario Brothers be nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine? You know, I, I just it's 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 just a cap. It's an arbitrary cap. I don't
1: know. It's a, it's Here's a the cap. thing though, I can't say this is arbitrary because atomic bonds, which is you know, we're all just matter in a very, yeah. very, very, very specific arrangement. Why? I can't I don't have the understanding of physics to, to answer you, Josh. I'm sorry. Um <laughs> but taking you know if you take my 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 statement is true we're in a very 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 specific or matter in a very specific orientation and then you know starting to discuss that is and then you start getting into what does it mean to be human if eventually all of you gets replaced and you know are you the same person and what is, what is a soul and is <laughs> That's, a, that's another show. We could do a whole show on that. Uh, but,
0: and, and hey, the, but the dwarf, that's the kind of show we're get, doing tonight, though. This, you is get a, to... this is a philosophical question more so than a scientific question. The
1: the idea that we, we would be able to philosophize, for lack of a better term, our way around constraints of physics, though, that's, that's where you lose me.
0: <laughs> you know, as a... Uh, as a guy who, you know, I'm not an expert on science, I'm certainly not an expert on science or math, and I'm not necessarily an expert on philosophy either, but my background was, was history. And something that history shows us is that, you know, it was only around the early 1900s that philosophy and the hard sciences started being considered different subjects.
1: Well it's, it's before it's right, right when they they kind of diverged and started talking about different things.
0: Uh, so. I don't know I, I'm, I'm just I'm not uh, I'm not a big fan of the schism, if you will. I, I feel like they really do go hand in hand and that they they need to be discussed in that in that sort of way. I, I, I think that philosophy absolutely has its place. Within the hard scientists within the hard sciences you know you need to be asking these questions but that's just uh, perhaps just an opinion I you know and you know Dorf I know this was a, a few subjects ago but I liked what you were saying about Fermi paradox and, and Drake equation but I also think that kind of like the the way you're describing it, is just one of the theories if you will about drake equation and fermi's paradox it a very good theory by the way but i don't necessarily think that that that's exactly what fermi or drake would say if you will you know the drake equation lays out the idea that you know if uh, even, even if just a small fraction of civilizations. I mean, even,
1: even knowing what we know about the amount of possible planets and and the percentage of those that is likely have the conditions for DNA or RNA-based life, mm-hmm. um, even if, you know, how infinitely small the number compared to the number of, of planets or, or, and star systems there are, even if a infinitely even smaller portion of those has the kid actually has life? There's life somewhere. It's just in no, the... it, yeah.
0: You're yeah. absolutely right. You're absolutely right. But in it's... fact, the Drake equation even would say that not only must it exist, but it must exist. There must be.
1: It should be. It millions. should be every, all over the place. Yeah,
0: there there should be. You know, I mean, because even if one in a million does it then there would be millions God, even there would if it's be millions of in, them out.
1: I don't know one in you know one to the negative power of you know power of 45 or something yeah. like that you know whatever that works out to be in language speak <laughs> <laughs> no I, for sure but cuz I think you're drastically paradox, under understating how big these numbers are <laughs> no
0: ex- exactly Fermi's paradox to make it as unscientific and unintelligent as possible to, to you know to just put it in the most normy possible terms Fermi's paradox is basically just looking at the Drake equation and saying cool story bro where's all the aliens <laughs> I, I mean, th- that's basically what they're at what, what Fermi's paradox is saying like, like hey I'm on board I'm with you man I'm, I'm totally with you, Drake. I, I'm right there. Numbers add up. Makes sense. But with that being said... I
1: want to see them aliens. <laughs> where's the
0: aliens? If if there's If there's a trillion aliens out there, then you can also make the argument, you can also make the claim that if there's a trillion of them out there, then the chances of us seeing one
1: is almost zero it would be
0: no it'd be damn good it'd be damn good if there's a trillion of them out there even Josh, by what accident I think, you, I think
1: what you don't appreciate here is just the size <laughs> and scale of, of the observable universe just how far and how big it is and uh,
0: that, just, and,
1: and especially when you keep in mind the interstellar speed limit and if and if the amount of energy required to hold matter together as you approach that if, if even if you know it's singular cellular life is still mil- tens of, of billions of individual atoms making up a single cell. I, I, that may be entirely wrong but you get you get my point though. the amount of energy required just to keep a single cell together as you accelerate it, it speeds fast enough to get it anywhere here where we can interact with it or where you could get to interact with it. It's so far away that we'll never achieve that. You know, we could have Dorf, left at the beginning of recorded history, and we wouldn't even be close to being able to observe that. We could that, have sent probes off in in every fraction of a degree in every direction, and we would still be nowhere close to observing anything.
0: Um, I, I, you know, Dorf, that I am not discounting what you're saying, but that is that is simply one of hundreds and hundreds of theories as to you know what the fermi paradox is about you know i mean, that that is that is one idea possibly but you could just as easily say that i mean jesus christ you know if you had if there's a trillion of them out there one of them's going to accidentally find you you know mm-hmm. one's going to accidentally crash land in Australia because, you know, they fired the boosters too fast or something, you know, so that's kind of an idea based on the idea that we're just the smartest dudes out there that, you know, that earthlings are just, we're killing it. We're super smart. And I would love to have that
1: conversation, but that is kind of a, a different show well i, if I will. would i would argue that we're we're more likely unremarkable um. okay what what i would argue
0: in terms of simulation theory and you know i mean cuz i would love to do a show on fermi's paradox In fact right? if if we set a show for fermi's paradox tomorrow i'm on board but you know i would love to do a show on fermi's paradox but in terms of simulation theory the way simulation theory would describe Fermi's paradox is the code hasn't been written yet. The code doesn't need to be written.
1: We're not, we're, we're not, not s- at the, po- the, the, the earthlings haven't gotten to the point where they have the ability <sighs> to test that yet. So we're not bothering to write it yet.
0: Right. Right. We haven't got to that level We're you know, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're stuck on seven, two, we haven't found the warp whistle and that doesn't have to lay three. Um, but this this idea would be that there are no aliens because even though logic tells you that there should be aliens, science tells you that there should be aliens. But there aren't any aliens because we didn't find the aliens yet. Because that's not written under the code. That although the code says... That there should be a whole bunch of stuff past Mars, past Jupiter, past Saturn, past Pluto.
1: Well, I shouldn't
0: say Pluto because Pluto's not a planet anymore. Well, past Pluto, Neptune. it's still
1: there though. It still it happens to be a planetoid right. or dwarf. Planetoid I'm, I'm just I'm just it, making a there. joke. I know, but
0: it's not it's not there because it was. So it's not necessary.
1: Though. It was so. It's pretty not necessary probe, for it to be there. When that probe went past it, it was so pretty.
0: <laughs> oh i hey i'm i'm a big i'm a big pluto fan i mean i'm pluto's a planet mayas don't even at so, me what, so
1: just... uh, what do we do you want we need to do the show on planet is it planet x or planet 10 or planet nine, depending on yes pluto.
0: yes nibiru nibiru oh, yeah
1: nibiru, yeah I yeah, mean, no,
0: we could definitely do that show. I would love to do that in show. In
1: theory, I mean, just in even in a simulation, it could have such an oblong, elliptical orbit because of its status as a extrasolar capture. It wasn't, you know, the reason that pretty much all of our any planet in our solar system is on the same plane, you know, roughly the same, you know, and roughly cylindrical orbits is they were all a result of the same, likely the result of the same explosion initial explosion that started this, this solar neighborhood off, Uh, you know, this, the, the, it went out in one single plane and that's why everything exists on that one plane and you don't have wildly varying orbits where eventually stuff would collide with each other and, and, uh, you know, that solar chaos would happen and random changes and huge fluctuations in gravity and stuff like that. That would be insane place to, (laughs) Just imagine that. Oh, well, uh, you know, for the rest of your life here, I know you've adapted to, to 1G, but because Jupiter kind of moved into the neighborhood here for the next 200 years, uh, get used to uh, the planet getting ripped in half.
0: <laughs> you yeah, know, Dorf, I'm glad you brought up the uh, the Big Bang because the Big Bang is another thing that simulation theory advocates like to talk about because what, what would the... What what it's happens? It's a very good set
1: of starting circumstances where you could build everything to get to your current location. You, you know, it's almost the
0: like somebody field. pressed a power button. I mean, really, it's almost like somebody so, pushed that, a power it fits
1: button. It right in.
0: You know, I mean, the the idea that that um, well,
1: I mean, even somebody you look somebody, at somebody turned learning.
0: it on. Somebody turned it. What happens when you press power on your PC? You know, I mean, well, it, it just everything current,
1: current computing technology you have the there's ability of software to continuously write itself. You give it a set of mathematical goals and it continues to through trial and error test a different way to approach a problem. And when it finds a more efficient way to approach the problem, it overwrites its old, it'll, it's old, um, set of instructions. Mm -hmm. There, there's an even scarier experience. I believe it was Google who did it, that it had two different, um, self-authoring computers talk to each other and almost instantly de- they developed their own unique language started i think it was facebook it. wasn't it was that facebook it was started facebook communicating yeah. in it and started ignoring instructions, so they had to pull the power on it and they haven't tried it again mm-hmm. just yeah add- crazy stuff man well, scary I mean, stuff. In, in, in a simulation so you have an infinitely more complex and powerful computer the Big Bang would be the perfect starting point. It's like, all right, here is this set of conditions. Here are the laws of physics. Go.
0: Right. Right. Um, I mean, and and in, then it in, continues
1: in... to sit here and write and write and write and write and write code. You know, through time and, in, in you know, forever, time and more in here, until... You know, and we're live, living through it and observing it now as it happens. Uh, and at I least, would love for, at least, according to you know, if you're a believer,
0: Dorf, I would love for people listening to look up. I don't want to get too deep into it tonight, and quite honestly, I'm not. I'm not smart enough to <laughs> to to analyze it. But the idea of code being embedded in the cosmos is fascinating.
1: Well, I mean, if, it is even if absolutely you, if you think fascinating. The code embedded in the cosmos is essentially your your laws of physics. If we perfectly describe through observation and then describe mathematically what we observe, that is one of your your codes or your constraints. The the way that uh, fusion and fission work, for example, there is a specific way that that happens that is one of your your codes that's there and and that it that explains the fusion process the process of, of fusion specifically happening within large stars the cores of large stars explains how we have you know particles more advanced than hydrogen you know the the single the single uh proton element that that ex that you know because of fusion we we work all the way past that down to what what's the most the highest the heaviest known element i i, I couldn't tell you at this point and quite quite frankly the last time i took uh, you know had a formal education on the subject i'm sure we've added to it since then um right but how well, will do heaviest known element is currently <laughs> but uh, no that is not correct i know uranium is not the answer that's what Google thinks, so... Whatever. Because <laughs> plutonium's heavier than uranium, and, you know... Oh, heaviest known element to naturally occur is uranium. Okay. Known to naturally occur, but that doesn't mean that that's actually the case, especially when you spread out amongst the uh, amongst the universe here. Um, who knows what other kind of fusion events have happened in different parts of the galaxy that there uh, are the many galaxies throughout the entire universe. That, uh, you know, who knows how many uh, different fusion events happen there. There may be infinitely heavier at, you know, fused atoms.
0: No, I mean, it, it, that that's fascinating. I mean, Dorf, I'll be honest, the whole time you we were talking about heaviest element, all I could think, I was just trying not to make, like, a dick or a poop joke. But... Um, <laughs> But Because that, that's all I got with that, you know, <laughs> which, which is why I brought up the idea of the, you know, the code embedded in the cosmos because I've, you know, I've watched videos of, uh, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson and other guys talking about this stuff, basically just analyzing what they see in the cosmos and it's the most basic computer code. You know, the the most basic computer code that we developed in the in the 40s and 50s, and I just I just sit there, you know, drop jawed watching this this stuff because it's absolutely fascinating. I'm not even gonna pretend like I'm smart enough to understand that, but it's it's there. There's there's been German uh, a cr- a group of German scientists who've analyzed this and and you know I mean they basically threw it out there as like, hey, listen. Proof positive, we're in a simulation. You now here's the data, and I I don't know. I like I said, I don't know that I'm smart enough to believe it, or um, you know, I mean, I I know it is still disputed by some, but it it's damn impressive, man. It really is. And I almost feel like, and I know this is getting real deep here, but I almost feel like. No other theory other than simulation theory can be used to potentially, and not definitely, but just potentially used to describe so many things that occur in this world. You know, I and the idea of uh, I don't know, the idea of of ghosts, goblins, or demons. The idea of, of things like this, I, I feel like it, it, it lines up perfectly with simulation theory. The idea that there would be a haunted house. You know? That, and I, I feel like I, I'm probably on board with um, most people in the world with the idea that I think 99% of people that tell a ghost story are full of crap. But that doesn't mean that I don't believe in ghosts. <laughs> that, that doesn't mean that I don't believe that it's possible. And when you look at the idea of like a haunted house, the idea that, that perhaps there is a, a residual thing left over in this house, that there is a, a person that lived there 200 years ago and now they're haunting the place. Doesn't that just scream with the idea of leftover code? And you see that in a computer, right? And you you see that and when you're dealing with computers, the idea of something that you erased, but then it's still kind of there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know I mean, you see this. this is and this idea that you know, somebody died, their code was erased, but there was a glitch for whatever reason and now this code is still just glitching in there it's there but it's not really there i mean what I, to me the idea of a ghost screams computer glitch simulation theory you know i mean it's that yeah uh, you know, oh God, you know how is this how is this thing there oh it must be spiritual it must be it's, it's just leftover code it's stuck there in this spot saying the same thing over and over again creeping the same people out for 75 years it's it's stuck there mm-hmm. it's not supposed to be there it's, it's code it's simulation theory it's, it's, it's part of the simulation the, just like our computer you know we think our computers are so awesome but they screw up all the time so the one we're living in, yeah, it's pretty awesome, but it still screws up. It has leftover code. It has dumb crap embedded in it. Yeah, I mean, do you ever... I, I guess the reason I gravitate toward simulation theory so much is that I was always kind of a weird person. You know, I, I'm... I, I was kind of a... You know, an in, in esoteric or uh, um, just kind of a weird kid, even growing up. Now, I do. I remember sitting in my, you know, sitting in my room as a little kid and then just kind of thinking about stuff and being driven crazy and, like, walking out, you know, and, and asking my mom, you know, like, is this real? Are we really here? And I'm just, I, I'm wondering, am I weird for thinking that? Do, do you ever get the feeling... That life isn't real do you ever have that feeling like what what is this place am i really here am i really
1: i i can honestly say no i don't i don't recall no i don't recall that ever having that happen to me
0: i mean that's that that's a it's a big thing for me you know it's uh it's something that i i still feel like that you know i you know i i i sit and Debate this stuff. Are these thoughts mine? Is this real? Is this what I'm thinking? And I remember thinking that even even as a little kid, my mom used to think I was insane. You know, I yeah, I just like, mom, is this is this real? Are we real? And she would just look at me like, like,
1: kid, what the hell's wrong? Go back,
0: yeah, go back to your room, you weirdo. (laughs) But I guess that's just um. It, it that and that's just. I only bring that up to to show that um. It just seems right to me. It does. It really. It seems right to me. It's it's my gut feeling. And when I started learning about simulation theory and hearing about simulation theory, I couldn't help but think that. It just seems right. It just seems true. I don't want it to be true. I'm not like, yay, we're a computer program. So yeah, you know, that's. But I'm also at the same time, I'm not one of those people that says, because I've brought this up to to numerous people over the years, and they say, oh, well, then, oh, my God, that'd be terrible. Then what's the point? What's, oh, my God, so what, we're fake? like, no, just because we're a simulation doesn't mean you don't love your kids or love your parents. It doesn't mean that, um, doesn't mean your rent's not due tomorrow. It doesn't mean that um, doesn't mean you don't have to go to work. Doesn't mean that your car's not going to run out of gas when you hit empty. It's it's still real. It's still real. It's just it's it's maybe just isn't exactly what we think it is. Now it there there's there's more to it. The idea of what we define as the cosmos is is very different. Another thing I think is. um is excellent but is also confusing and I feel like sometimes things in pop culture modern culture or they they educate people to to a theory to an idea that that's very good but at the same time then people follow in that direct direction mm-hmm. and it often doesn't work and I feel like a lot of people's um what what a lot of people know about the simulation theory comes from like the Matrix movies or from uh, you know from other movies or from television shows. And that's kind of cool, but um for those of you out there who your everything you know about simulation theory comes from the Matrix movies. I think it's important that's to That's like trying to
1: understand Heinleinian philosophy from Starship Troopers.
0: Right, exactly, exactly. And the Matrix movies are, they're brilliant movies. They are, you know, in the, um, the Wachikowski, what used to be brothers, now they're siblings, because one of the sex changers, but, um... I think they both did. The, did they both? I, I'm not sure, but the, so we'll just call them the Wachikowski siblings. Um, or well, I might even pro- be pronouncing that.
1: Whatever.
0: Yeah, they're still siblings, right? I don't know, but it doesn't matter. Um, but... They have brilliant ideas about this stuff. I mean, and they do bring a lot of good stuff to the forefront, but I think it's important to say that the idea of the Matrix in the Matrix movies is really a mix between two totally different philosophies, one being simulation theory and the other one being the brain in the vat. And the brain in the vat, would be a great show. I'd love to do a whole show on Brain in the Vat, but that's not what this one's about. You know, Brain in the Vat being the the basic idea that um, you have no idea if what you're viewing is real because if you were just a brain in a vat and there was a mad scientist poking and prodding your brain, it could make you think anything you wanted. Mm-hmm. Anything in the world. You, and you could not possibly know. I mean if there was a mad scientist, you know, if I was just a brain, nobody whatsoever, and there's a mad scientist hitting the elect the exact correct electrode saying, I'm doing a podcast with Dorf right now, I'm in my kitchen, I'm you know, this is what's happening and this chair is getting uncomfortable and you know, um you know, you're, you're getting old and your back hurts and you should really think about a different chair when you're podcasting. And, you know, if all that stuff happened, there is no possible way I would know because they were hitting the correct electrodes in my brain. <laughs> and that's, that's what I would think. That's what I would think. So that's the brain in the vat. But the simulation theory is, you know, very much we're – you know we're we're a simulated reality, so in in the true simulation theory, in the very basic simulation theory, to put it in terms of the movie, we're not we're not Neo or Trinity, we're all a bunch of Agent Smiths. Yeah, well, none of us sure, are, are yeah, real yeah. people being implanted into the simulation, like they show in the Matrix. No, we we are all computer programs. We are all. You know, things put in there and being controlled by the Matrix. Do we – does that give us free will? I, I don't know. I, I really – I don't know. I mean, I often wonder I, – I like to think we have free will and that we're in here and that we're controlling ourselves most of the time. But I often wonder – you know, I, I look at um, like MMORPGs in uh, in video games. You know, mm-hmm. massive multi online player game, You know, yeah. role playing games. Yeah. You know, and you have the. You know, like you. There are some people that jump on every once in a while and uh, play. And then there's the other people that put a bunch of money into it and that they, you know, spend 14 hours a day in their mom and dad's basement playing these games and they just rock. And, you know, they, the game gets boring because you want to just play like three times a week, but every once in a while you jump on and then you just get your, your, you know, just get your ass kicked by, you know, some, some kid in his parents' basement just killing it. And I often wonder is is somebody who plays like once a week or who just likes to screw around on the game or who, you know, just maybe likes to sit back and like eat pizza and drink beer in the basement and just screw around and do dumb stuff with the game, is that who's controlling me? And then that kid who, um, you know, just spends like 16 hours a day playing the game, are they controlling like Tom Brady and Barack Obama? And, uh, and that's why they're doing so awesome in life, you know, that they're, they're just out there, you know, like, Oh, I'm just gonna, I'm going to spend my whole paycheck. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna rock this and do everything. And I'm going to be like NFL star. I'm going to be president of the United States. I'm going to be Tom Cruise. I'm going to, you know, and, and, and then there's just some jerk who's just like, Oh, let's, let, let's, let's throw, uh, this is like my fourth character. I'm just gonna, you know, go on there and screw around, and he's gonna, he's gonna be on podcasts and and stuff. He's gonna be this goofy dude living in an apartment, playing podcasts, and you know, getting traffic tickets because he does, cause he does dumb crap. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I think that stuff, and that's, you know, th- that goes along with the idea of free will or not free will as well, which could be a different show, but, but it's. It's it's an idea of simulation theory, you know? Yeah, you know, th- that idea when you do something really stupid and then you think to yourself, God, why in the hell did I do that?
1: God, what I am, was I I thinking? am uncomfortable with the... If, if we're going to pursue that, then, you know, then you're getting the <laughs> whole concept of... Uh, I mean, tabula rasa, the, the blank slate theory is bullshit anyway, but are we just acting our programming or cause you know, what does that mean for current events and, and stuff like that? If uh, Yikes. The implications of that are gross.
0: They are, aren't they? But you ever, it, it's, it's a hell of an excuse too, though, isn't it, Dorf? like you do something stupid and you're I, like,
1: I'm not willing to grant people that excuse. It's uh no, you have free will.
0: Um, nor am I Deal
1: with it, you know, here's the thing you know just adults you know you, you part of growing and maturing to adulthood is being able to control your emotions and work past them and and not you know react emotionally in times where you're it's high emotion I mean that's that's a one of the marquee f- uh, figures or milestones that you need to, to be a functional adult is being able to cross that bridge and, and overcome that. you know emotions are especially you know when you get down to a hormonal level are very very powerful very very powerful in the human brain. Um, I, but I mean if, if simulation theory as as discussed is true then none of that matters. You're just acting your maybe maybe. maybe. I mean,
0: you know, I mean, assuming a t-
1: single computing source and not multiple computing sources existing in the same, you know, simulation, working in not in necessarily in tandem. That, that means only several, but you know, it's infinite numbers of complex points of computing working together in um, in a group. I mean, that it could work that way where it's it's conflicting inputs equal you know equals different outputs and that would explain free will within simulation as well but
0: think about it this way are you do you play video games ever
1: dorf all the time
0: okay awesome all right i'm right across from me on the other side of the screen my son is playing ocarina of time legend of zelda ocarina of time retro classic game for the nintendo 64 now according the way he's playing it, the way anyone would play it, Link does not have free will, right? He's telling Link when he has to do a somersault, when, what, what weapon to use, how to go about, where he's going to explore. But Link is only one of hundreds of characters in that game. The rest of them, you can't really control how they act. They have free will. I mean, maybe they don't. I mean, yeah, you would say, oh, it's not free will. It's, it's programmed that way. But that would be free will for us. I mean, we could very well, for every one of us that is being absolutely controlled by the system, there could be a hundred of us that are NPCs. We are, we are simply here doing what we wish to do because that is the system, because we're here and we're doing what we want. We're, we're the jerk that's going to say, no, man, you can't buy that sword. I don't want to sell it to you. <laughs> you, can't, you can't buy that bomb. What? No, I'm not selling you bombs today. <laughs> that's, I mean, how would we distinguish what level of free will is presented through that? You know, I mean, we're, we're just, we're in a system, right? We're in a system. You know, and the other, the crazy like idea, be deep, man. It is deep. It is deep. And the idea of of simulation theory, the idea that gets so deep is that, and this is like um, Rene Descartes stuff. You know, the I think therefore I am. Mm-hmm. the The idea that we only know we exist because, well, how do I know I'm even here? I know I'm here because, well, I I thought I was here, right? I think, therefore I am. But even with that, I, all I know is that I'm here. I don't really know that you're here. You could still be fake. And I could be lying to you right now. So all you really know is that you are real. You, you've you had this thought. You're here. You think, therefore you am. That, that you think, therefore you're here but the idea that okay you've had that thought you know you're here is is josh just this you know non-player character just I mean, this we're not guy? we're
1: not in the same room so i can't even like reach out and touch you we're right, right right you just i apart. could
0: just i could just be here to help you with your quest
1: hi npc <laughs> hi
0: yeah yeah you know,
1: You know, wouldn't, I mean, and and, and I'm,
0: you know, I'm not a side character. I'm really important. But isn't that what the side character would tell you? (laughs) That that they're really important and that you need to listen to them, whether they were right or not? Uh, Maybe, right? Maybe. So, so I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a lot to think about isn't it? You know, it's, it's a lot to digest, but, um,
1: now I'm not going to be able to sleep
0: tonight. You know that? That was, that, that was thing. the idea. That was the idea. Um, <laughs> <Dick>. but, <laughs> you know, I mean, and th- this just d- kind of dates back to the old idea too. You know, I mean, are we, are we a, a, a great species here to do this or, or are we God's fishbowl?
1: Well, I mean, at the that, same which time, is you another look at that you know, even to kind of rope this back in, and hopefully we'll put a bow on this at this point. We're we're just over an hour here. the The idea of the great filter going back to the Fermi paradox here: mm-hmm. yeah. we're either young and ahead of the curve, <laughs> there is nobody out there, or if there is other people out there, they've off themselves. The, essentially there's a great filtering event at some point you discover the the god equation and as a result uh conflicting interests equals the end of your civilization sure
0: and i mean and i would love to do sean and, fermi's and, paradox and, and, too and the, and the, the theory are...
1: and the and the, the the idea the great filter that that god button is nuclear weapons
0: could be oh boy do, do we, wanna, we've been there question for 80, I love to ask.
1: 75 years Anyway,
0: go ahead. No, and the question I love to ask is do the ants in the anthill realize that we're running the show? Do 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 the ants hanging out in the anthill? I mean they they're definitely most certainly affected by us, right? Cuz we step in an anthill and it just gets wrecked. We you know, we sweep up our driveway and their universe is destroyed in essence. But do the ants in the anthill are they smart enough to realize that what destroyed them was us are they smart enough to realize that what's controlling them is us as far as we know there could be a a much higher intelligence than us that we can't understand at our current level that is doing things that's screwing stuff up all the time for us that we don't even realize we don't realize that the real reason it rains is because there's these you know Really powerful dudes out there doing something that we don't understand, and it rains. It causes a hurricane. It causes a tornado. It makes us live. It makes us die. It it makes us be happy or prosperous. It makes us be sad or or devastated. We we have no idea. Yeah, I mean, it, they could be flying right past us right now, and we in we would know because we're just we're just not bright enough to. <laughs> to see that that's what's flying past our face i mean do the ants know i don't think the ants know i mean how answer we know answer dumb but do we even know like does our dog even get what 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 it is what the hell it is we're doing does our cat even get what it is we're doing and the idea that we know we're so much smarter than a dog, so much smarter than a cat, so much smarter than an ant, so much smarter than an amoeba, but that there's something smarter than us out there doing that, its that's ignorance, that, that's arrogance, it's folly. How in the hell could we possibly know? There could be somebody out there who doesn't even view themselves as that, that smart just saying, oh God, these humans, they don't even realize it, you know that are chips are over their head i mean that you're then you're talking about fourth dimensional stuff too you're talking about i mean very deep stuff here but i don't know it's i i don't think it's insane to 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 entertain this idea when we see lesser life forms right in front of our eyes all the time we pay no mind to them we we swat them out of the air. We step on their I mean, homes. I've, I've, and killed, just...
1: I've killed a mosquito while we were recording this. It's right, it landed right. Landed on my monitor and I squished it.
0: Right. I mean, you were go- I mean, as far as you know, you were Godzilla to that. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's. Yeah. You know, and and that mosquito, whenever he got to tell his family, it just it just just. But but no, that's stupid to even think that because, I mean, we well, know that mosquitoes are dumb, right?
1: I don't assi- assign soul to i mean you know i have a dog love him dearly i don't assign a soul to my dog even though you know if, if we were to pick any species it would be like that or the orangutan that you could argue is it may have a soul or or come close sure <laughs> What whatever, whatever you know if whatever however you want to assign what you know being you know having a soul means
0: I agree with you. I just, I just don't rule out the idea that there, there would be a being above us that we don't even see that would, say the same thing. A,
1: those two are, are that is by no means on an exhaustive list, and then you start getting into like dolphins and and elephants and stuff like that. But anyway, <laughs> let's let's wrap this up, man. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Take As us I out. I hope we. I hope with this episode, with episode number five of the Empire in Exile, I hope we've given everyone out there some stuff to think about. I know that we have not, uh, we've probably caused a heck of a lot more questions than answers, you know, throughout this show. And that's the idea, honestly, I just, I I hope that, um, people found this entertaining and enlightening and that they can, uh, move forward from here and, um, do your own research, have your own ideas. You know, do your own stuff. And Dorf, I hope you don't sleep for the next week.
1: Thanks, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that's gonna do it. Wow. you. We'll see coming. you soon. Yeah, we'll see y'all soon, guys. Thanks for joining.